what we're reading is not uh, the only part that we will emphasize. We'll emphasize much of what's gone on in the verses 1 through 16, but I will say that sort of the... um, uh, you know, the heart of what we're looking at comes out of these verses um, toward from 17 through the end of the, of the chapter. Um, so uh, we want to listen carefully then to how this kind of uh, sets before us, gets us thinking about what the Spirit has to say to us in this passage. So here we continue with the reading of God's Word. O oh God... From my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You have done great things, O God, who is like you. You have made me see many troubles and calamities. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp. For your faithfulness, O my God, I will sing praises to you, the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt." Amen. So far, the reading of God's Word, and may He grant His blessing to us as we consider it here together. So, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, what use are old saints in the church? I'm not joking. I'm not trying to play with you. We need to think about this. Many elderly people themselves seem to struggle what, with what use they can be now when old age has kept them now from serving with the kind of energy that they once knew. Many elderly people that you will talk to feel acutely how much the modern age seems to have passed them by. Um, They've mastered many things in their heyday. I mean, you know this. I I remember my grandparents. My grandfather on one side of the family mastered the eight-cylinder four-barrel carburetor. Eight-cylinder engine, four-barrel carburetor. I mean, mastered it. He was a master mechanic. There aren't very many of those around anymore, and he wouldn't recognize the modern engine. So you can master things in your heyday. You were truly gifted by God. You were were able to do these things with great ability, but the modern age has passed you by. Computers, smartphones, 
smart TVs. I mean, you have to get your 10-year-old grandkid to come in and show you how to run the darn thing, right? can make you feel useless. And, and what happens is many elderly people move away and go and live together among other elderly people. And that's, that's what happens. Now, many younger people have the impression of older saints. I had this as a, as a young child in particular. I remember I, re- I loved my grandparents. I lived around my grandparents. I, I greatly was blessed by my grandparents. But I would say to my parents sometimes and my brothers and sisters, you know, Grandpa just goes on and on. He's just going to repeat the same stories again, right? Grandma is such a worrier. Older people just sit around and talk about politics and, and, and weather and health and everything's going to pot. Okay, now we can maybe smile at that and chuckle a little bit because there is some truth to those generalities in certain ways. But sometimes you can wonder to yourself if you are a young person and, that, and you don't really get what's what's important about the aged, you can say, man, I don't want to grow old if, if that's what I'm going to do. The pastor hymn writer John Wesley once prayed like this when he was 86 years old. He wrote this prayer. We have it. And it says this, Lord, he's 86. I'm old. Don't let me become excessively stubborn. Nor excessively peevish, which can mean cranky or quarrelsome. Now, he knew something about elderly people. He was a pastor. He worked with elderly people. He was an elderly person. But he was very self-conscious, wasn't he? In the things that he He asked God not to allow him to become. That's a mark of a mature, thoughtful saint, isn't it? To say, I know where sometimes things go in our older age. Help me, Lord, not to go there. I think that's really um, a wonderful insight. But but having thought of those things or having those ideas in front of us, here's something that we should really be confronted by and, and, and helped by from this psalm. I've been doing a series on the Psalms, and, and, I, and I entitled it, Learning to Live Life from the Psalms. Learning to Live the Life of Faith from the Psalms. What do we learn to live? How do we learn to live life from Psalm 71? Here's this. The church needs elderly saints. The church needs elderly saints. God has a unique work for you as elderly saints. Notice I'm, I'm saying you. Notice I'm, I'm pointing out there. Uh, but... This psalm is really a wholesome message for young people. So young people, listen. But it's also, I think, a really important and encouraging message for elderly people. Here is an old saint who is singing the Lord's continual righteousness and faithfulness. And Remember, a psalm is a song. It's also a prayer. And here is an old saint singing about the Lord's continual righteousness and faithfulness. Well, what... I want us to see at the beginning part here um, what is rising out of this text. And what's it, what is the 
important perspective that only the old can give. I want us to stop and think about that as we're going through this passage. What is the important perspective that only the demographic age group that we call elderly people, only they can give? So that tells us, young people, we don't get to claim this. And in fact, we have to look at it and say, there's something very important here because only elderly people could have a certain kind of perspective. And that tells me, maybe I need to listen to this. You know, something that has nagged me for many years as I've read through the Psalms, and um, it's, it's how, how often David recounts um, just absolutely numerous trials, threats, enemies. He's constantly talking about his enemies. He's constantly talking about the threats and difficulties and troubles and trials of life. He goes over and over and over again. And David wrote those psalms throughout life, not just when he was an elderly man, but also when he's a younger man. And he's always telling us about the hardships he's gone through. Why does the Bible want that recounted over and over like that? He has spent a lot of time in the pit, hasn't he? He spent a lot of time in those difficult days. And I think the Lord um, even gives us the perspective of David, whom I believe wrote this psalm, particularly in Psalm 71 of old age. And the Lord wants us to learn from this in a unique way. What are some unique things? Well, David's problems of old age, as it turns out, are fairly universal in terms of time and place, right? Um, verse 9, what does it say? Cast me, don't cast me off in my old age. Forsake me not when my strength is gone. Do you see that? When my strength is gone. See, what happens as we get older, and, and we know this, is that, well, the hearing starts to go. And why is this print font so small? Right? And we tire easily. And we don't sleep as well a lot of times. My strength is gone, he's saying. David is old, but notice this. We have to all mark this. His hardships in life are not gone. He's elderly, but he still has trials. We don't lose trials when we get at a certain age. My enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together. There are real threats and pressures on his life. Not only that, but getting old often means that many of your friends and family that you relied on throughout your life aren't there anymore. Many of them even die. I remember the elderly lady I used to visit, and she says, I don't think anybody will come to my funeral because everybody I ever knew is already gone. And she was in a nursing home. Often, when we're elderly, those we relied on are gone. And you see something of a reference to that in verse 11, where he says, God has forsaken him, pursue and seize him, for there is no one to deliver him. David is alone, and he feels alone. Now think about this, David was king. That's power, right? David was wealthy. David was a brilliant poet. David was uh, an incredible musician. David was a gifted athlete, you young people. David was a warrior, first-class warrior, right, in his time. David had lots of children and many wives. Now, that's not the blessing part that we're supposed to look for. But um, 
but he had many children and so on. So David was greatly blessed throughout life. But notice this, David has heavy responsibilities, even now in his old age. David has uh, uh, the responsibility of government. He has enemies who are still out to get him. He had a dysfunctional family, remember that? Remember the difficulties of his family? And, and he also suffered. Sometimes he suffers deep depression in these psalms. Now think about that. That's the way it is with many elderly people, isn't it? You have health problems that sometimes go on for decades. Right? There are health issues you have in your old age and you say, I've been living with that for 25 years. Or longer. Um, you have sorrows. You've, you've gone through many griefs. You remember the loss of many people and loved ones in your home and your, ho- your life. Now, so you have these blessings, you have these hardships, and the testimony of David throughout all of that now, okay, here's the point, is that in the midst of life's great blessings, and there are many rich blessings in our lives, believers are often going to experience hardship, we're often going to experience suffering all throughout our lives. It's going to, it, it is true, and that's why he records so many of them throughout the Psalms, so that we understand that these, this is fa- living in a fallen world. This is living in our pilgrimage in a broken, fallen world. As we're going to have great blessings. God's going to richly help us. But we're also going to be tried. And we're going to go through difficulties in this life. From youth to old age. Now, here's, here's what I want to say to you. If you're 15 years old and you say that, oh, we're going to suffer all our lives. Not much credibility. You're 20, 30, and you say, oh yeah, life is full of ups and downs. Not a lot of credibility. If you're 50, eh, it's getting closer. But still, you're only half as old as other people in this congregation. But if you're 70, 80, 90 years old and you say this, now somebody ought to listen up, Right? Only an older person can really testify to the extent of life's challenges, sufferings, blessings, and then talk about God in relationship to them in a way that you and I need to listen. So David is giving us a song. Here's a man who's suffered greatly. Here's a man who's gone through many trials. Here's a man with incredible blessings. He's old now, and he's saying, look, I'm going to sing you a song. I'm going to give you a testimony of hope. I'm going to give you a testimony of God's richness and goodness. And I'm going to tell you about a vocation that you have as elderly people. That's what David tells us as we go on. So in the second place, think about this. Only the elderly saint can give us a perspective on what it was like to live as a youth. All right? Now, you're youth, and you say, well, I could tell you something about the youth. But but only an elderly person can say, from my old age, I can look back and I can remember what it was like to be young and, had, and, and needing to live by faith as a young person. And I can tell you from this perspective something about that. I can tell you from my elderly age something about what it was like to experience a life of faith as a youth. And so you young people, we young people, yeah, I get to say that. I already said I wasn't as, as old, so I get to say we young people then, We need to listen to what this elderly perspective is. Now, 
Look at verse 17 and 18 a minute, a little more closely. And something that is really kind of striking to me is there are, he speaks in the past tense, the present tense, and the future tense in verses 17 and 18. So look at verse 17. He says, from my youth, you have taught me. Past. Present. I still proclaim your wondrous work, deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs. Oh God, do not forsake me. Now, future. Until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. Here is a person who can think about the past, the present, and the future out of a godly heart. By the grace of God, he's doing that prophetically. He's doing that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's doing that as a godly person. And there's a unique perspective that only an elderly saint in which that person can view those tenses. You have long and varied experience in this life of God's presence, of God's faithfulness, of God's protection, of God's rescue, of God's blessing. You have been through many, many different dangers, toils, and snares, right? And you've come through them. You know something about the ups and downs of life's If you look at verse 5, David talks about that. He says, For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. He says in verse 6, he goes on, "Um, uh, Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. He says, God has been with me when I was young. He was a familiar friend to me when I was a child, a youth. He says, God even knew me before I was born, and God knew me when I was born. He's been with me all that time. Have you known the Lord since you were a youth? You young kids, have you learned about the Lord? You're learning about Jesus. You're learning about God the Father and the Creator. You're learning about the Holy Spirit who works in you. You're learning about the gospel, how Jesus died for you, right? You've known something about the Lord. You're being taught how to pray, aren't you? All you kids, you're being taught how to pray, right? You're being called to trust in the Lord, to trust the Lord, to worship the Lord, to pray to Him in all your questions and in all your challenges. Well, look back on life. The elderly can say this. You can look back on life and you say, you know, God God was faithful to me. God does keep me and He has kept me. God has protected me from how many Really hairy situations. I mean, how has God protected me in my, from di- days of my rebellion? Of days when, when I was foolish. Of days when I've been sick and thought I was just going to die. Days of family and friendly relation, friend relationships that, that I've struggled through and struggled with. The Lord has been with me. Days of grief like Brother Dale and his family are going through right now. Days of grief, the Lord is with me. In those times, I felt like God had let go of my hand. But you know what he was actually doing? God was actually carrying me. He hadn't let me go at all. See, God's love and faithfulness never left. Never allowed me to be put to shame. Ultimately, God was my refuge, my rock, my my fortress, my rescuer. Look at all those words. What's crucial about the old saint saying this is, I'm still here. 
I'm alive. I've made it through. I've survived. He's seen literally all these kinds of things. At one point, he says, I was a portent, verse 7. I was a portent. You know what the portent is? It's like a billboard. And it's like David's life was plastered on a billboard for people to see how hard life can be. Thanks. <laughs> I get to be the poster child for how difficult things can be. And I was a portent. And people look at me and say, wow, that's, that's... He says, but you know what? The Lord took care of me. The Lord is, his testimony is of the Lord, his refuge, his faithful God and righteous God. Now we need, as church members, we need elderly saints who can testify to us of that kind of faithfulness when we're going through it ourselves. We need brothers and sisters who can say these things to us with a... With a a humbled heart, with a, a sanctified heart, with a heartfelt faith. We need, we need brothers and sisters who are elderly to, to tell us this. This is part of the ministry and the communion of the saints. Having you brothers and sisters come alongside of us and tell us your story like that, testifying of God, testifying of His faithfulness, praising God, and helping us to get that perspective like David is giving here in Psalm 71. Thirdly, only an elderly saint can give a perspective like theirs to a rising generation, right? So as a younger person, you can tell your children many things and they're the rising generation. But only an elderly person can take the perspective that God has worked in them for decades and decades and decades and say, look, here's, here's, here's what something we know. Now that's a different kind of perspective and we need to listen to it. David is talking out of that kind of age. Some say that the elderly don't look for the future because they're so close to the end. But that's not the elderly saint's perspective here, is it? What does David say? David now talks about the future. Look at verses 18, the second half of verse 18 and into 19. He says, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your powers to those who come, your righteousness, O oh God, reaches the high heavens. You have done great things. O oh God, who is like you? Okay, that's what he's saying to the rising generation. And what David is saying then is, I have work to do. 70-year-old David is saying, I still have work to do. I still have a vocation before God. I want to share my faith. I want to share my God-worked perspective to a rising generation of Christians, of covenant youth. I want to speak to my grandchildren. I want to speak to the youth in my church too because we acknowledge as, as, as Christians, we, we believe that the youth of this church are members of this church. And that they need to be discipled and they need to be taught. So we want to tell our grandchildren, but we want to tell the youth too. Because they're our fellow church members. And we love, each, we love them. So you young kids, you, you need to love the elderly people in your church. And the elderly people love you young kids. See, it's, it's a, it's a two-way thing. But th these elderly people have something to teach you. You want to tell your children who are now raising their own children. You want to be there to help them and encourage them along. And I tell you... 
as a person who has uh, three married children and five grandchildren, the biggest thing you get to tell them is all the mistakes you made and how not to do it. But sometimes you actually have a few things that you can say that are useful. But you want to tell your own children, but you also want to tell your, the, the young people in this congregation, you young couples. In the midst of it, in the thick of it, you want to go to young singles. Maybe you're an elderly person here today and you've been single your entire life. And you know what it's like to be single your entire life. What a perspective you can give to young single adults. You can, as elderly people, maybe you're married, but you can still give great perspective to the young single people in the church. And you can talk to them about what it means to live a fruitful life and to, to look to God in the midst of your singleness. It's, it's good. You're not in an unwhole state, but you've got those perspectives. See, in the midst of careers, in the midst of paying mortgages, in the midst of disasters going on around us, in the midst of government instabilities, uh, uh, political fads going all over the place, you, you can speak. Now, don't mishear David. At this point, it's not David's own experience simply that he has to pass on. In fact, even primarily, what does David pass on that he feels like this rising generation needs to know? He says, I want to talk about your might and power, O Lord. He says, your righteousness, O God, reaches the heavens. You have done great things, O God, who is like you. You don't put your, you don't put your confidence in princes, on horses, on tanks, on hypersonic missiles. Not saying you don't need those things in this world, but your confidence is, who is like you, O Lord? See, you go to the scriptures and you've been reading the scriptures your whole life and you're beginning, you see and you see the mighty acts of God and you know and you have come to rely on that God who's revealed in the scriptures and God's righteousness and God's faithful providential rule of the world is being proclaimed there over and over and, and you've learned this from scripture and now you are applying it to life and you have this longer term horizon don't you on which you can see the events of a person's life now and so for instance you can go to the younger people and you say you know don't get too caught up in the short term I needed to hear that when I was younger I still need to hear it but I needed to hear it when I was younger a whole lot don't get too caught up in the short-term issues. Not minimizing your short-term issues if you're going through them as a young person. Don't get too caught up in them. They're not the end of the world, really. See, the Lord reigns over everything. We've seen leaders come and we've seen leaders go, haven't we, as elderly people? You've seen fads, you've seen trends rise, and you've seen them fall. You've seen them go away. See? But what have you seen? You've seen one constant through it all. My Lord has continually been righteous and faithful to me. My Lord has never been unrighteous or unfaithful to us. He is a refuge. He is never failing. For 70 plus years I have cried out to the Lord, David said, and he's been my rock. Verse 20. You have 
You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. So what does he say? Two things in that verse. The Lord has been sovereign in the midst of my calamities and my troubles. The Lord knew them and he's been with me in them. But he will revive me again. So to be revived again means you had to have been revived before, right? He's always revived me. He's always picked me up. He's always carried me through. And he will do that again. Don't we need to hear that? Don't we need to hear that a lot? Elderly saints, you have a job to do. You can be used by God as an effective encouragement and hope for the rising generation. The kids in this congregation who need it. So show them the faith, brothers and sisters. Show it to them by living in front of them. Teach it. Proclaim it. Live it. Don't go to the background, please. Don't withdraw. I know it's hard. I'm not saying this to people who, who I could give any counsel to from a standpoint of when you're frail and you're feeling your weaknesses, you just don't feel like going out all the time. And I get that. But as much as you can, they need you here. They need you to be showing you, teaching you, living in front of them. Elderly saints, youth, all of this, this is, a, this is a really a wonderful picture of King David. Of how he's joyful and thankful. Now, that's possible here. Listen, that's possible if you don't grow cynical and jaded by the trials of life. And that's not an automatic. Trials can make us cynical. Trial can make us jaded. They really can. So open your eyes through the scripture by faith. See God in your life. See God in your trials. See God's work. See God's refuge. See God's strengthening hands. See God's gospel hope in the scriptures. Think about God's forgiveness of you in the past. What has God had to forgive you all your life long? And in the present, God is still your Savior forgiving you. And that He's always with us in that way. Think of the peace that God gives to those who believe in Him and live with him. He gives peace even in the midst of the trials. So spend time with the youth. Be involved in your family and be involved in the church family. We need elderly saints who can give that testimony to us. Now I've got one final thing. It's the final point. It's brief, I promise you. But David doesn't stop there and just talk about the things that are a vocation that he can still do as an elderly person as if, oh, those are things to do over there for those people. Interestingly enough, David ends with, here's how I need to keep living. I'm 70 saying, I don't quit. I don't get to quit. I don't get to stop because I lived 70 years as God's people and now I get to just put it on coast. But instead, it's really kind of a, a wonderful thing. I'm going to use the context to show you this. But, but look at, um, first of all, you're going to live by faith in two ways. First of all, you're going to pray and trust still. You're going to live a life, prayerful life. Really, there's no other life to live. You, you, you learn as you grow older that all day long, literally, you are praying. <laughs> and, and, and it's a prayerful life of trust. You're trusting still, even in your old age. So think of verses 1 and 2. 
It's the start of this, of this psalm. And, and what does he say? In you, O Lord, I take refuge. This is a prayer. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Pray that you take, take refuge in Christ. Pray that his righteousness and his faithfulness will help you. Uh, uh, deliver me, rescue me, incline your ear to me, save me. Look at verse 3. Be my rock, my refuge. A rock and a fortress. Help me, save me. Don't you feel like calling out that at any age? But yeah, in your old age, you feel this way too, right? Look at verse 5. Oh Lord, you are my hope, my trust, O oh Lord, from my youth, but you are still that. Verse 8, do not forsake me. Verse 20, revive me again. Verse 21, strengthen and comfort me again. I need it every day. He did it yesterday. He'll do it today. He did it 10 years ago. He'll do it today. He did it 60 years ago. He'll still be with me. Lord, continue to strengthen and comfort me again. Prayer and trust. Secondly, praise. Worship. 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 Verse 19. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the heaven. You have done great things, O God, who is like you. He's singing here. He's singing. He's singing the greatness of God. Now, you think I'm stretching this, maybe, but look at verse 22. I will also praise you with the harp. For your faithfulness, O my God, I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. Verse 23, my lips will shout for joy. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, shout for joy. Let me tell you something about that shout for joy phrase. If you read through the Psalms, you'll see, make a joyful shout to the Lord, shout for joy. The people shouted for joy. There was a joyful shout. We don't know exactly how it sounded, but this was a technical term in worship. It was used in worship in Israel. It was the congregation, and it's always, and they have a joyful shout. I, I would love to have been in the temple and heard the congregation do a joyful shout. We don't do that. We don't know what it's like. It means exactly. We sing, and that is a joyful shout too. But apparently a joyful shout was more than just a song. We don't know exactly what it is, but we do know it was used in worship. And so what is he describing here? He is describing worship, singing praise to God, full of... So here he is. He's 70 years old, and he's still gathering with the saints to worship God all the time. He worships God and then in daily life, he worships God. Look at verse 24. My tongue will talk of your righteous help all day long. God is faithful. Righteous help. God is faithful. I'm going to keep testifying to that. You know, brothers and sisters, there's a lot we can say as elderly people. There's a lot of things we could be talking about. But David says, let's talk about the righteousness of God. Let's talk about how good God is. Let's talk about the faithfulness of God. Yeah, we're going to talk about our, our knees are creaky and our liver doesn't work the way it ought to. Our heart's not quite as good as it was and our brain's a little foggy. And it's not wrong to remind people that those things are going on in your life. But talk about the righteous God too. Rejoice in how God has been good to you. Now, I, I'm, I'm just going to close with this. Do you remember any certain elderly saints in your life? Do you remember back and say, that was a striking elderly person? Not every, we love you all, but there are elderly people that stand out to me. I remember Jessie Houck, a member of our church, and I would visit her. She was 36 years old. She lost her husband. She had six children. She was on a farm in northern Minnesota, and she continues to farm that farm until she was 
68 years old. She raised her children. Two of them died along the way. She had many grandchildren. She was in her 90s when she joined our church, 91 years old, and she's still joining the church. And being a part of it and coming to church, but you'd go visit her and, you know, she'd say, you know, I, I can't complain. The Lord has been good to me. And she wasn't, that wasn't just a statement with her. That was her attitude. The Lord has been so good to me. She died at 99. The Lord has been good to me. See, there, there are, this is the grace I want. Do you, don't you want that? Don't you want to be able to testify that? If you went to visit her, she was more encouraging to you than you could be to her. By far. There are people that God is at work in and he can work in you too. He can work in all of us in this way. These elderly people, until they were no longer able physically, they were in church every Sunday. In their homes, their conversations were healthy. God's praise, God's hope, God's trust. Now, if you are young, this is what you have now. You young people, you already have this faithful, righteous God. You already have this blessed rock and refuge in your life. He's already there. You can pray to him. You can worship him. You can trust him. He's already have that. If you are old, you also have it, right? But you have to look forward to the rest of your life, God being with you like this. And if you're old, you have this calling. The church needs elderly saints. We need their, your testimony. Saints singing of the Lord's continual righteousness and faithfulness. Amen. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is faithful to us in every season of life. A God who is unshakably, unswervingly faithful throughout all of our lives. We thank you for that as we have meditated on that, as we have heard of this perspective. We thank you for your great blessings in these things. Lord, we thank you for mothers who can testify of your righteous faithfulness to them throughout their lives. And still, we, we know we can, we can thank you for such, but we thank you for men who have been godly rocks also as you were their rock and serving and, and being godly husbands and fathers and elders. We thank you for so many ways that you work and your riches, the riches of your grace. And you have made us the trophies of your grace. We thank you for all of this, Lord. It's, it's not something we deserve, but it is something we want more of, Father. We want your grace to uh, renew us and lift us up like this so we can go from faith to faith, from grace to grace, from glory and to glory as your people, like the Psalm 72 saint. So, Lord, receive our thanks and receive our prayers, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.